Hey, everybody. This is the Steg Drew Show, and I'm your host, Drew Stegmeyer. This show is new, evolving, and finding itself. We don't yet know what it will turn out to be. And that's exciting. I believe the world has a current civility deficit. And with this endeavor, I'll be exploring tough and taboo topics with compassion and civility so you can do the same with your friends, family, and coworkers. Welcome to the inaugural episode. It is just the beginning. Today we dive inside the mind of a schizophrenic, software-selling, manga-creating childhood friend of mine, Alex Cannon. Many people have hypothetical ideas of what a schizophrenic is like. We dive in firsthand so you don't have to wonder anymore. Exploring craziness like how his diagnosis came about, healing it and integrating schizophrenia into his day-to-day life, and crazy cultural constructs like circumcision and other topics to show that no one is truly crazy. This conversation with Alex was a roller coaster, and I hope you enjoy it. What's up, man? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So I guess to start things off or to dive in, I want to first tackle kind of mental illness as a hard reset on values. And if you'd be willing to share basically what your diagnosis or diagnoses are, and then just get into some stories. So uh, a few primers maybe is like, what was it like to quote, go crazy? right? Both the experience itself and your relationship w- with others. So how others might have, uh, have perceived you. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is terrifying, right? <laughs> that's the very first word that comes to mind, like from my perspective, and then probably from the perspective of others, like from the outside looking in, you know, they're thinking like, mm. you know, oh man, you know, who's this guy? Like, can we deal with him? And I'm like, Oh my God, who are these people? Why are they acting weird around me? So yeah, terrifying is probably going to be like the, the, uh, the, the key vocabulary word for an experience like that. So to, so just to jump in, you know, as a hard reset on values, like, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting that like, you know, anybody who's had a chance to stop and, and sort of pause their life for a while, you know, mm-hmm. like, and they're not constantly on the rat wheel of like, you know, buy this, achieve this, unlock right. this success metric, you know, is going to have that chance to, you know, sort of reevaluate their values. And so just to jump in, you know, my, my diagnosis is a schizoaffective bipolar type, which, uh, so, you know, okay. Yeah. Can you, can you break that down <laughs> <laughs> to break that down? Imagine if like schizophrenia and bipolar got together and had an evil baby. That's the, the worst of both of them. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you've got that. <laughs> okay. And it's like, Oh no, dude, really? <laughs> so, uh, so that would, that's, that's, that's like the official sort of diagnosis. Now what exactly, you know, that means, you know, in, in full context is something that we'll jump into, but, um, you know, just to, just to give you sort of an idea of like where it all started. Right. So Mm -hmm. I can tell you a little story about where it all started. So I was at my, uh, my uncle's house. He lives in upstate New York and, you know, I'd say for like the preceding, like probably four weeks, like maybe, maybe a little more than a month, 
leading up to this point, like, you know, I was becoming like increasingly more like what a doctor would call manic. Now at the time I had no idea what this was. Yeah. What does it because mean to I'm, become you know, manic? Awesome. So it's, it's like, if you can imagine like being on cocaine 24 hours a day, Whoa. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's like okay. the, the, just the sheer energy level and, and, and like, uh, and and like ability to think quickly uh like just abundance of energy like influx of new ideas you're just you're just really rocking out and 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 it feels great so like you know if you're if you're not like well versed in these sort of things you're just like oh man i'm getting like smarter and more energetic like life can't get much better than this so you know you have no you know so to a person who has no idea what's going on like you know it's 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 hard to figure out that something's not quite right you know so so leading up to this point it was like you know for the the preceding like four weeks it was like you know you don't need a lot of sleep you know you're just go 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 you're like performing at your job and 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 uh and maybe at school or at work, you know, just like totally off the charts. And you're like, okay, this is great. Like, you know, I, I love this. And then, and then the next thing, you know, crash and burn. So just to get into, you know, a, a little bit of that, like, you know, the preceding four weeks have been, you know, very characterized by, you know, what a doctor might refer to as mania. Right. Okay. And, and so I'm up there, you know, hanging out in upstate New York, you know, I'm going to a place to grab some pizza. You know, it's it's like maybe seven, eight o'clock at night, you know, dark outside, kind of, you know, lazy, lazy Friday. And we're going to get pizza. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be cool. I'm hungry. You know, I want a calzone. So we're going out there. And the next thing you know, like, I didn't understand this at the time. You know, but my mind was starting to read into things that, you know, I don't think were really there. So, you know, I'm in this pizza place and I'm starting to think, okay, like, who's the guy that runs this pizza place? Like, what's he up to? Like, what's he doing? Like, why is he doing the things that he's doing? You okay. know what I mean? Like, is, is he some kind of like shady dude? You know, and, that, and this, is, this is, of course, the part where the paranoia kicks in. Right. And you're like, okay, is, is, this, is this guy like some kind of shady dude? And you're, and you're wondering this. And then, you know, the next thing, you know, it just, the, the snowball just starts to get like bigger from there. And you're like, okay, well, who does he have connections to? Who does he know? Like, you know, like what's, what's going on? And then, you know, eventually it gets to the point where like, you know, we walk outside, we're carrying our pizza and there's like a police car, like just kind of chilling, you know, outside of this pizza place. And I'm like, huh, well, that's odd. And I see the, you know, the, the guy, the proprietor of the pizza restaurant in a white car or, or like leaning into the passenger window of a white car, talking to somebody, you know, behind the cop car. And I'm like, huh, OK, what's going on here? Whatever. I don't know. I, I just want to eat my pizza. So I'm walking and then the cop car starts to roll up on me and my uncle. Right. So then at this point, I'm like, oh, shit, I've got like a gram of weed in my pocket. Like, I really don't want to deal with this right now. So I gesture. So my uncle like, hey, get in the fucking car, dude. Let's get out of here, bro. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. I'm like, oh, I don't, I really don't want to deal with this. Uh -huh. And then, uh, so we hop in the car, and the next thing you know, I see the uh, the the owner of the place hops into the white car, and they just sort of like speed off down the road, you know. And I'm like, huh, 
you know like why did they jump in the car and speed off that's so weird you know mm-hmm. so you know i just kind of scrub it from my mind and you know we 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 go back to his house and we're we're kind of hanging out you know um eating you know eating my calzone uh, you know watching some television and then at that point like you know i'm i'm going you know, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. You know, I'm like, all right, you know, so call it a night. Okay. And then that's when sort of everything just kind of hit me. So I'm laying in this bed, um, you know, and I start hearing like odd noises coming from outside of the house. And I'm like, oh no, like, is like, are there other people here. You know, so I, you know, I'm taking a look out the window. I'm not seeing anybody, but I'm definitely hearing like people, right? You know, people getting out of cars, people, you know, talking to other people, people, you know, mm-hmm. like walking around. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. So I immediately, like, you know, lay back down. I'm like, all right, let me just try to sleep this off, you know? And then, like, from there, it just sort of like completely spirals out. And like, I, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember a whole lot from that, like two or three day time period when I, when I had my first sort of break from reality as, as they would, you know, as you refer to it in the medical profession. But, um, you know, I know it certainly like left me with the impression that, you know, not only were people like watching me, but people were watching me who had hostile intent. Right. And, you know, after people, you mean Mm -hmm. human beings in your environment, or do you mean you were, as far as I understand schizophrenia, it's like you, Mm -hmm. you see things that aren't there. So were you meaning you saw people who were there and determined that they were hostile or you absolutely evil monsters or both? Uh, well, not monsters. These these were okay, all okay. sort of. This was all human based. So I, I didn't see anything that was that was like, you know, that would immediately alert me to the fact that something was going on that that you know was maybe like extraterrestrial or or supernatural right, right. or anything like that. It was all just like you know humans, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 this kind of segues into an interesting point is that, you know, sort of schizophrenia, not only are you like sort of seeing things or, and hearing things that aren't there, but <clears throat> the disease sort of hijacks your entire like sensory perception. So you can feel things that aren't there, smell things that aren't there. Uh, uh, I, I don't know about taste. I, I didn't yeah. taste anything, but I can assume that maybe you can even taste things that aren't there. If you sure, can smell sure. things that aren't there you know, aside from the, the audio visual component of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it really like sort of hijacks your entire world. It's, it's almost like, I've like when I've described it before, I've, I've called it, it's almost like being in the matrix. Right. So, you know, um, so by the, you know, by the time, <clears throat> like I had realized anything was sort of wrong, like, you know, it, it, had, it, had, it had totally like, hijacked my entire consciousness almost so to the point where i'm seeing people that aren't there i'm hearing people that aren't there i'm like touching and interacting with things that aren't there you know and you know and to me it's all real because it's it's very much you know just as real as like you know 
putting the little plug in the back of your neck from the matrix and you're like, Oh, I can't tell the difference between this and reality. Okay, cool. Right. So, you know, you're, you're, you're really in it at that point. So, you know, fast forward a couple of days later of just, you know, sort of, you know, like, like tense kind of, uh, um, situation, uh, like a very tense situation, you know, I, I eventually I got, you know, taken down to, uh, um, an inpatient facility, you know, cause what, was that it, like well, actually voluntarily really or like, off. when well, you not, noticed this happening, did you, did you ask for help or people said like you need help or, or, or both? So it was really people saying like, Oh, you need help. So I'm like, okay, so they take me to, so it's really actually, I didn't go straight to the inpatient facility. First, I went to an emergency room just to get a sense of, okay, what exactly is going on here? Because nobody really had any idea what was going on with me. Uh You know, they just knew I was not in like a good place. And for me, um, you know, I had no idea. As far as I knew, all the things I was seeing and hearing were real. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I think that there's like a criminal conspiracy that's trying to like, you know, take me out basically for some reason, you know. Um, So I'm, you know, in this emergency room and, and, and it's still going on at this point. Like, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, there hasn't been any like tamp down to what's happening. So I'm thinking that whoever these people, these criminals or, or whoever they may be that were, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of holding me hostage at my uncle's house are the same people that have followed me now to this emergency room in Virginia. So we've, we've, we've traveled in location from, you know, New York to Virginia and, and the same thing is going on. So I'm assuming the same people, or at least, uh, you know, allies of these people have followed me to Virginia. Right. So I'm like, Oh man, like I'm really in hot water now. And, uh, um, from there, I, I, uh, I, I think, I, and again, you'll have to forgive me. My recollection is a little spotty. It was about 10 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I voluntarily went into an inpatient facility, um, sort of, you know, at the behest of my relatives and you know i i spent a good i don't know two or three weeks there mm-hmm. um in a it was it was actually in they didn't have beds where i was at so they they transferred me to a place in leesburg so i was out in leesburg for about two or three weeks and uh and that was probably one of the most bizarre experiences of my life right because you know, at that juncture, like, you know, having no idea what's going on or why I'm in this hospital, you know, or who these people are, like, is it even a real hospital was something that like constantly went through my mind. Like, is this a real hospital or is this place like run by the same people who are trying to get me? Right. Right. You know, so it was kind of interesting. I had a few like really, uh, like strange coincidences, but I mean, this, this sort of thing happens. Like, I think the attending doctor uh, who was in charge of my case was a guy named Dr. Roskin and, and his name was spelled R O S E C A N. And I just remember like, like at one point I was looking at the, uh, the paperwork and I saw his name and I was like, Rose can, what does that mean? It's gotta be a fake name. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, 
<laughs> I was like, I was like, oh shit, like it's this is definitely a place that's run by the same people that are, you know, out to get me. Right. You know, and and like pretty much all I, I I'm pretty sure that like the entire like staff as well as like all of the patients there were like completely weirded out by me because every interaction I had with everybody was was just so strange. Um so you honestly thought you were you were under attack right or exactly basically everyone you saw you honestly believed they were part of some conspiracy against you right precisely when you when you're in this in this state precisely yeah and i you know and i didn't say much but i just remember it, it, everything just seeming like every interaction just seemed so strange and and it actually it's it's kind of funny just to to go on a tangent here for about a second was uh, like that, that experience for those few weeks that I had when I was in that hospital actually prompted me to come up with an idea for a book um, based on Dante's Inferno. <laughs> okay. So just to give you a sense of like what that was like, you right, know, I was right. like, man, like if I like died and gone to hell, like what is going on here, you know? Right. And and uh, so I came up with that. You know, I didn't I didn't really think that I was in hell, but I came up with an idea for a book about somebody who was living in hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and so I mean, hell for for a minute. Um, I I believe in heaven and hell not as places, but as states of mind. Right? right. So, if you think of it in that sense, like yeah, you were in hell. Yeah. Right. Like you're in hell if you think you are. You're in heaven if you think you are right because they are they are states of mind um mm-hmm. rather than like oh when you die your body goes somewhere your soul leaves your body and goes to some place if, if you think of it as a mind state like imagine being in a spot where you think everyone is out to get you like that's the spot you were in yeah it doesn't <laughs> right? it that doesn't is hell. much more hellish than that <laughs> right, right? right. <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean long story short that sort of like paradigm you know, mental paradigm, like continued to persist for like three years. So for like three years of my life, like I really couldn't do much of anything. I mean, like I, I was sort of on and off medications, um, you know, like trying to find something that was, you know, I think I'd imagine the, 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 the medical professionals were trying to find something that was effective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I would kind of be on and off different medications. Um, most, you know, all, actually, I can't even say most, all of which I absolutely hated. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I couldn't really go to school at that point anymore, right? So you were a college student at the time, right? Yep. I was, I was 20 years old when it first started. So it was okay. right before my junior year in college just to give you a little bit of like okay. time context for what was going on. Um, so I, I couldn't really go to school at that time. And so I just really had a lot of time to just sort of sit and think about who I was and what I was doing here and um, why was I here? And, you know, what am I, you know, what on earth like is going on? And, and you know, because I believed that like a criminal conspiracy was sort of chasing me everywhere I went, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it made me sort of inclined, like, you know, being somebody who's like sort of could die at any moment from this criminal conspiracy, right? 
it made me inclined to sort of live life on the edge, right? And yeah, you know, any second they could come take you or come get you. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like for all I know, they've got like a sniper trained on me twenty four hours a day. So you know, I mean, yeah, it 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 made me just really inclined to sort of live life on the edge and just kind of, you know, um, like not have any kind of um like care in the world about like you know status or money or right. anything like right. that you know what i mean so and and i could tell you know all kinds of stories about that period in my life but but you know to jump forward i think to a slightly more interesting topic you know that persisted for 3 years and 3 years later you know i i had uh, i had managed to get like sort of medicated enough that I could sort of hold down a job for a few months. Okay. So at that point I decided, okay, well, if I can hold down a job for like, you know, six months, I can probably go back to school. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, but at this time I'm still thinking like the criminal conspiracy is following me around. I'm just not thinking about it as much because, you know, the symptoms aren't as prevalent, you know right. what I mean? So it's, it's still in the back of my mind, but it's not like a, 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 a a a powerful concern and then you know and then so i I decided okay i'll go back to amherst and uh finish up my degree really quick and you know so i go back and the first semester i'm back right like the symptoms are back Mm. and i'm like oh no like they they they've they figured out that you know i'm trying to better myself and they don't want that to happen so they're going to try to stop okay. me at all costs. So I'm like, oh no, like, you know, you know, I'm, 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 I'm totally screwed. I'm never going to be able to graduate. I'm going to waste my parents' money for being here for a semester and not being able to do anything, you know? And so, you know, at that point I'm like, okay, well, I've tried everything. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've tried like, you know, living on the edge. I've tried like not caring. I've tried this. And then, and then it it occurred to me, like at one point during those three years that I was away from sort of school, you know, I, I was staying with a a relative, my aunt actually. And she, she at one point had asked me sort of the unorthodox question that no doctor or therapist had ever asked me, which was, you know, have you ever thought about listening to what the voices you hear are saying? And, I, and at the time, I'm like, oh, no, why would I do that? I mean, <laughs> no, right, right. Oh, no, that sounds terrible. So, you know, fast forward three years later, I'm, I'm hanging out and I, I'm in my dorm room. I'm bedridden because the physical the physical symptoms are so powerful that, you know, I'm in so much pain that I, I can't really get out of bed. You know, um, I'm seeing so I, I didn't know that. So mm-hmm. you you were like seeing and hearing things that weren't there, but you were also experiencing pain. Correct. So uh, there's another interesting thing to touch on. So, you know, like you can, you can experience like pain that's not there as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think that like being in that state, like that hyperactive state of mind, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what the science is behind it, but I know. I don't think anyone um, really knows. Um, Exactly. (laughs) You know, so So, you know, I'm not sure what the science is behind it, but I know like, you know, your nerves are firing to the point where, you know, you might think that like you're burning or you might just be like completely, you know, like drained of energy and like, 
and 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 feel like you know like different pains all over your body just sort of from um i think like overacted overactive nerve activity but i'm not i'm not entirely sure but i know that there's a lot of physical pain that that it's accompanied with being in like that state that it like in like deep psychosis Mm -hmm. so you know at this point i'm bedridden i'm like well i've got nothing better to do maybe i'll just listen to what these these people as i thought they were at the time are saying Mm -hmm. so i'm listening very intently you know to a lot of different um just things for three days and three nights and on the third night right i was i was feeling particularly down and i saw a uh an image in my mind um and in thinking about that image the 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 voices i was hearing sort of made a comment about that image right and i'm like okay well you know okay now hey so hey sorry for any interruption my zoom just totally died i don't know if that was on my end or your end um but let let's keep rolling so you mentioned you saw some image. What was the image, if you're willing to share? Sure. Yeah. So it was a it was a picture actually that I had drawn when I was like maybe like 14 or 15. Okay. And it was like a picture that was sort of like symbolic of like what I was like going through at the time. So I mean, just to give you a sense of what it was, it was like I was drawing a picture of like you know, like two sides of myself, like fighting with samurai swords, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, cause that was totally what I was into when I was 15, yep. right? Like, you know, anime, samurai swords, all that cool stuff. And, uh, and so the, the, the voices I was hearing made a comment about that picture, you know, referencing the fact that it was about two sides of myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, nobody else has seen, as far as I know, nobody's seen that picture but me. And even if you saw the picture, you wouldn't know what it was about. You'd just think it was two, like, Japanese samurai guys fighting. Right. right? And I'm like, so in order for them to have that context, they would literally have to be me. And that's when it hit me, like, you know, a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, man, I'm crazy. <laughs> like, I am like, crazy. They so had this like, a moment of awareness. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. So I was like, oh, man. Like, this is not real. I'm completely insane. And, like, and it was like a weight was, like, lifted off of my shoulders. And I just, like, exhaled and just started laughing and was able to finally relax. Because I was like, oh, man. So the doctors were right. I am schizophrenic. Uh, Well, that's a whole hell of a lot better than what I thought was happening. Oh, that, that, that is so funny. Yeah, let's, let's stay with that for a second. So basically, if I understand right, you start experiencing these symptoms. So you, you had mania for four weeks or so, kind of ramping mm-hmm. up, and then began seeing, hearing, feeling things that other people said were not there, but to you, they were as real or more real than reality itself, right? Exactly. And then this persisted for years 
right? Mm -hmm. To the point where you think you had it under control with some medication, but as far as I was hearing, right? And I don't know if you'd use these words, the medication was just numbing you, right? Correct. Or taking the volume of those voices and turning it down or, or maybe that limiting the frequency, frequency and mm -hmm. volume, right? Just like, mm -hmm. Shh, Alex is trying to do his thing, right? Yep. And then you're like, okay, I'm feeling good or feeling ready enough. You go back to school and then boom, they come back with a vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. And your aunt has this counterintuitive advice of like, hey, those voices in your head, like you should listen to them. And in mm -hmm. listening to them, you basically connected with your, your history. And it's, it's really funny, this word remember, right? To member, right? To like assemble again, yes. right? So yes. you remembered uh, and the mind is a totally dynamic thing, right? It's not mm -hmm. static at all. And so basically you had this moment of awareness, like, oh shit, whatever these voices are or whoever they are have been with me for a long time. Right. Correct. And yeah. And I, I think we talked about this once before, but where I find that fascinating is first, I believe no one is crazy, right? What does it mean to be crazy? And even the experience right. you mentioned in the pizza shop, you said, Oh, I was just in the pizza shop and I was wondering like, wonder what the owner of this place does. Like, maybe it's kind of sketchy. And then you walk out and the owner's behind this cop car and then speeds off and like, Oh, that's weird. Right. And, and for weird. some reason we all have these voices in our head or, or, or these inklings or, or just thought forms. Right. But often we have the awareness to realize, Oh, that's just a thought. Right. right. Versus, Oh, this isn't a thought. This is reality. Right. And, and you could say that, our shared reality is just what we collectively agree on, right? It exactly. doesn't make it any more, more or less, or less real. valid. Right. right. So then you had this moment of awareness, like, Oh, these are just voices inside my head or, or parts within me. And I guess what, what I love about that is, you know, in the East, they call people enlightened in the West, they say integrated. And, and the way I think mm. of integrated is, it's not about repressing or putting on mute the, these voices or, or parts within you. It's about understanding them and collaborating with them. And, you know, exactly. there's this idea what we resist persists, right. Or what we run from chases us, what we chase runs from us. And at some point you Precisely. stop running from the voices and you said, wait, I'm going to listen to these people. Oh, wait, these people are me. They are part of me. <laughs> and, and, and then, oh, that's way better than a giant fucking criminal conspiracy exactly. in my life at any moment. <laughs> They're just voices in my head. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm curious about that because I suspect many people out there um, are in a similar boat to me, which is I don't know shit about mental health, right? All mm -hmm. I know is A Beautiful Mind with, with John Nash. Yeah, with, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, by Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, maybe some crappy videos from like the fifties and sixties that are, that are black and white. And uh, mm -hmm. people just seem quote crazy, but we, we don't take a second to get into what crazy means. And, and I suspect this is a little bit of a dovetail, but you mentioned, um, you know, you were 20 and basically during this two to three year period, it sounds to me like you had some sort of support network right, or support system. Yes. A lot of people don't. Right. So don't. a lot of no. people that we see that are homeless, 
or living on the streets suffer from mental health conditions where mm-hmm. maybe they have an episode or episodes of, of mania or something where the way I frame it is it's often not pernicious enough where it constantly surrounds them, but it's just mm-hmm. enough to where they can't hold a job. Right. And so since they can't hold a job, they then can't support themselves, right? Or people view them as some sort of threat and then mm-hmm. they have nowhere to go, right? Because if you go to a hospital, you know, unless you're actively in your episode, right? you're like, well, they're going to turn fine, you away. Like, right. And then you're like, no, but I'm just scared, right? I'm scared they're coming to get me. Mm-hmm. Who? Oh, the syndicate. What, what syndicate, right? But because you can articulate that in a calm way, they're like, dude, you just need to go home and relax. Like get the phone. Right. Right. Like <laughs> your temperature is fine. Your heart rate's fine. We even did blood work. You're good. And you're like, no, no, but I'm scared. Right. Fuck your scaredness. Right. Get out. <laughs> get <laughs> and out. Then, yeah. Then people don't get the, the support they need. And it sounded like for you, you needed a couple years, right. A couple years mm-hmm. of experimentation or being with this to get to a point of, I would call it integration. Precisely. Right? It took time for you to get the awareness that these are just voices in your head and kind of going back to a beautiful mind. As far as I understand, when, when he got healed, so to speak, it wasn't like these figures he was seeing disappeared. He was just able to say, oh, these are just figures like, hello. Right. And then Correct. go about his, his day or, or his business. Correct. So has that kind of been the, the case for you since that, that moment? Yeah, absolutely. So I can, I can, I can definitely give you some insight into that as well as a funny little anecdote about it. Um, so, you know, at, at this juncture in time, you know, I, I work, um, sort of, uh, in, in the, uh, the software sales arena, I've got a pretty, pretty rich career there. Um, you know, I'm also, you know, a, uh, an emerging, uh, author as well um in the in this sort of comic book genre specifically anime and manga um but you know um i you know i do work with i i I, for a long time i did work with the nami sort of uh helping people uh you know by sharing my story yeah yeah it is actually that that would be uh national academy on mental illness um it's a grassroots organization um that's designed for like, you know, peer and family support for people with mental illness. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of volunteer work with that organization and, you know, so I've, I've got a lot going on, but you know, the fact of the matter remains, I hear voices every day, every single day without fail. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, these days it's, it's really just sort of a thing that like, I'd say nine times out of 10, I don't even notice it because I'm so focused on whatever the task at hand is that it's hard mm-hmm. to you know, even pay attention to it. Right. But um, to give you a funny little anecdote about one time that it, you know, kind of wasn't easy to ignore. Right. So I was, I was, uh, it was, this was after I had graduated from college and I was uh, sort of in the professional arena um, working for a software distributor and at the time, the company I was working at had just been purchased by a, uh, a larger uh, organization, um, 
a two billion dollar or i think it was a two billion dollar company actually um had purchased our smaller organization uh software distributor and um we had an all hands meeting to talk about the merger and the people who were at the meeting with of course the ceo of my company um you know the president of uh this larger company called aero electronics i don't know if you've heard of them Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're a major, major software distributor and reseller. Um, And then a bunch of other like big wig VPs. So, you know, we've got this big full company meeting and this huge, like, you know, uh, what, what would you call that? It's like a, like a, it's not even a conference room. It's more like a, a lecture hall. And uh, so we're there and, you know, they're giving their speech. And at the time Mm -hmm. I was, I was changing medications, right? So it was like right at that like critical period where the one medication wasn't super effective and the other medication hadn't quite become fully effective. Oh, okay. So I was like in that little crevice. <laughs> I'm hanging down. out. I'm hanging out. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, oh man, this meeting sure is boring because they're just up there kind of like tooting their own horns. And I, I, you know, I feel like I'd be more productive if I was at work. You know, and the next thing you know, like I notice, like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling like really, really, uh, like nervous, and my palms are kind of sweaty. I'm like, I wonder why I'm so nervous. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, whatever. You know, the next thing you know, it sounds like somebody in the the next lecture hall over is like got a Trans Am in there, and they're just revving the thing. It's like, vroom, 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 vroom. and I'm like, oh no, oh no, no, no. There's we're too far away from the street for that to actually be someone's car. So I'm definitely hallucinating at this juncture. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a fun little uh, meeting. (laughs) And so you had the awareness awareness that you were hallucinating during the meeting. Yeah. So at that point, like once once the car engine started revving, I knew immediately I was hallucinating. I was like, there's no way. There's no car anywhere near here. So it's Mm -hmm. got to be like a hallucination. So I'm just sitting there and I'm getting like increasingly nervous and I'm like rubbing my hands. I'm like, oh man, I hope this doesn't go sideways. And then the CEO of my company gets up to give a speech and he's sort of talking and he's doing these big gestures like this. And he's like, and this merger is going to be great because of reason. And I'm looking at him and suddenly his face just starts turning into a werewolf. And I'm like, I'm like, oh no, dude. (laughs) I'm like, it's in like full swing at this point. I'm like, oh no, this is not good. And then like, and then I'm like, and then I looked away so so I wouldn't look at the werewolf on right, the stage. Right. And I'm like, oh man, like this is so annoying. Like I can't believe this is happening right now, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then like I waited and waited and waited, and finally we got to the question and answer portion of the. Right. Uh, the presentation and i was like ah this is the perfect time to slink off to the bathroom so so i got up went to the bed ba- saw other people going to the bathroom i was like oh this is perfect went to the bathroom splashed a little water on my face i'm like oh man that's a struggle and then i went in the stall and just like shut the stall and locked it and sat there and i was like yeah i'm not coming out till that meeting's over <laughs> right right but it was like and then it ended and i and i finally as, as everybody was filing out you know i come out and i go up to my boss and I'm like hey dude i'm not feeling great i think i should probably go home he's like yeah you don't look so good i'm like you don't know the half of it buddy <laughs> so like, did did your <laughs> colleagues understand your your condition or diagnosis or no um some of them did 
some didn't. Some right? of them did. Yeah, like like I told like one of my good friends uh, that I worked with at the time, a guy named James. I was like, dude, I was chilling, and then Art Richard just turned into a werewolf, and he's right, like, right. what? Are you serious, bro? I was like, yeah, dude, I'm serious. That was crazy. Right. And then we we had a good chuckle over that, and then and then like it was kind of funny. Like we both looked at him. Like at one point later on, we're like, he does kind of look like a werewolf <laughs> if you think about it. You know, <laughs> like just the facial structure. Right, he, right. He looks a little bit like a werewolf. So I totally see where that comes from. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, so, so, and then I, and then I, you know, just hopped in my car, drove home, you know, and then I slept it off and I was fine the next day. So I just went okay. back to work the next day. But, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, it never goes away, man. It's, it's always there. It's just, it's just a matter of like being aware of it at this point. Like, you know, right, right. like, and and sort of like you know like like knowing when to sort of extricate yourself from a situation when it's happening yeah well so that's a good point and maybe a good segue um basically you know there's this idea of what what was it like getting back to normal and in some sense sort of like COVID, right? People say, oh, it's the great reset and I'm glad to be mm-hmm. back to normal. And then others say, no, there is no such thing as normal anymore. Like some right. things are permanently shifted. And so correct. you obviously had a lot of time to, to sit back and think. And um, going back to the idea that a uh, mental illness, right? Or, or some sort of episode mm-hmm. can be a, a hard reset on, mm-hmm. on values. Um, a lot of people don't, get that right or they don't have that you know and often we think for the better right like Mm -hmm. oh i would never wish that upon anyone yeah um and and we talked about this you know a couple weeks ago in my early 20s uh my parents got divorced basically the family structure imploded and at the time i felt like shit right it it, it was terrible Mm -hmm um felt totally lost but the gold in that and i guess the the gold from your experience as well is that many people just don't ask questions like well why do i have this religion right or right or or why do i think this way or why do i think that way and often it's because that's how we were taught or programmed or that's where we were born and i suspect you questioned many of those things right anything that was exactly that was a default just was up for debate exactly so that's that's actually a perfect segue into you know sort of that topic is that you know when i when i first you know had that realization you know that day in my bed at you know school Mm -hmm. um you know it was like my mind sort of opened up to like the possibility that everything I think could be wrong. Right. So, so, you know, it's like, okay, well, I knew for a fact that I didn't like having been, you know, pretty much utterly delusional for three years, I knew like, you know, Hey, I'm really not interested in ever being like delusional about anything again, you know? Mm. So then it sort of led me to start asking the question like, okay, well, you know, if, if my entire belief system around this topic um was untrue then what other belief systems am i holding on to that you know may not be the case 
So that like actually sort of unfolded into like a slow journey throughout, you know, my life up to this point of like trying to find out like, okay, like what am I thinking that's like clearly false? Right. And if it's not clearly false, what am I thinking that's not provable? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, after that sort of like reading, um, you know, different, um, different, uh, how would I characterize them? Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to call them philosophy books because they're not, it's, um, you know, really more like, uh, um, like books on sort of consciousness and the mind and, Mm-hmm. And, and just spending a lot of time sort of meditating and exploring my own mind, right? Sure. And, trying to make sense you know, of your experience. Yeah, like, some, right. like just to give you an example, some of those books were like, you know, The First and Last Freedom by Jiddu Krishnamurti. Um, I, I, I listened to a lot of uh, lectures by Alan Watts, if you're familiar with Alan Watts at all. Yep. Um, I read uh, Power Versus Force by David Hawkins um you know just just to name a couple um but but yeah no it was it was really about getting you know sort of just getting to know my own mind and like what I think about things and you know that sort of led me to believe like okay well you know what what does it like really mean to be delusional right like so of course there's like the delusional we all understand which is like sort of my you know something like my experience where you know you've got a guy like believing i don't know criminal conspiracies chasing him all over the world and it's just you know to anyone around anyone who's not in that frame of mind around him it's it's like completely obvious that like that's not what's happening right (laughs) Right? yeah you know but then we have things that are like a little more tricky right like uh, like different ideologies, like, you know, that, you know, like maybe like if you're under the belief, you know, the ideological belief that say like capitalism is the best way to distribute resources or communism or socialism is the best way to distribute resources or, you know, uh, or maybe that Christianity is the best way to, to, to you know, is the best model for sort of how the spiritual dimension of our universe works, or maybe the Buddhism is the best model or, mm-hmm. or Islam or Hinduism is the best model, you know, um, or the most factual model. Right. Um, you know, th- there's, there's, there's things like, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, like, like democratic structures, are like the best way to right to to organize people right so go ahead it it sounds like part of what you were saying is just like you had these kind of voices or thoughts in your head a lot of people and myself included for a long time thought like oh i was raised catholic and that is the way i didn't even have the awareness to see it as an ideology it was like what, what reality was was like these ideologies or models are simply, you could call them perspectives, right? They are ways of viewing the world. And I'm fond of the idea that no models are true. They're all useful, right? And, yes. and so you're seeing all these ideologies and you're like, oh, it's, it's not so much right or wrong or that this one is inherent. 
these are just ways mm-hmm. of, of viewing things or capitalism and communism are ways of organizing groups of human organizing beings. yeah yeah right. and distribute and, and and trying to solve this distribution problems right mm-hmm. so yeah i mean and 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 i think that is sort of like the key or at least for me was the key to like you know opening up you know to a level of self-awareness where it's like okay well what else what else do i believe you know like mm-hmm. is true and 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 where and 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 where am i being delusional about those things right so yeah i would agree with you i think that you know uh there is no sort of one model that's true because i like to think of uh i like to think of like the world we live in or the universe or whatever you want to call it as something that's not static right sure. it's yeah it's really really easy to look at in an object and see that as static when you know like our best scientists will tell us that no not even really the object is static most of it's empty space and yeah and the shit that it's made up of is moving around all the time yeah so it's yeah. like you know even you know so it's it's really easy because of our sensory uh uh, or the way the brain makes sense of our like sensory inputs, like to see the universe as a static place mm-hmm. when in reality it's like ever changing. Yep. So I really, that, 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 that philosophy that no model is, is true, but all models are useful mm-hmm. really sort of resonates with me on that level. So after basically I, sus- I suspect, or I'm imagining like, you just went through all of the things, right? Like anything you ever thought or maybe even things you think other people could possibly think just went through mm-hmm. and were like, is this crazy or not? And right. um, also on the, flip, on the flip side, I think a, a deep form of compassion is to recognize perceived craziness in others as normal. And so like, mm. like, what does that even mean? Right. And this, this is a thought experiment. I often toss at people when thinking about, I guess it was January 6th or so when, when they stormed the Capitol, mm-hmm. I said, okay, just hold the phone for a minute. Right. But before you say storming the Capitol is crazy or not crazy, you have to take a step back and say, well, what would cause a person to do that? Right. Mm. And if you are participating in a democracy Right. And you fundamentally believe that your democracy has been co-opted and is no longer functional. Mm-hmm. And you really believe that, like in your heart of hearts. Right. Mm-hmm. Then in some sense, you have an obligation to storm the Capitol. Right. You think not, the yeah, not, is not, at risk. Exactly. Right. And um, I, I really think everyone thinks they're the good guys. You know, right. even, Hitler, even Hitler, right? He was just everybody's the hero. Yeah, in their story. And and being the hero is really dangerous, right? Because one of the best ways to be evil is to assume or to think you're being righteous, right? You label Correct. somebody else as evil, and then you're like, I gotta, I gotta stop that evil. I gotta go kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Killing someone is evil, <laughs> right? But it's justified to stop <laughs> yeah. a, a greater evil right like, and, hold on. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and so i guess you, you go through this exercise and it gives you the capacity to realize well think of all the shit that i believe in that may or may not have been true and you know i'm sure i'm not alone in that imagine all these other right. people believing in stuff and then you can 
you can empathize with them. You can commiserate. You're like, Hey, I, I know what it's like to be so attached to some thought form mm-hmm. that that may or may not be true, or that might just be unique to me. Right? Like I'm convinced this is the way and everyone else is screaming at me. No, oh, man, that's not mm-hmm. the way, but I remain convinced. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I think there's, there's like a lot to dissect there. I mean, that's really interesting. Cause like, you know, the reason that, um, you know, I, I, I would, you know, extend a certain amount of like compassion to like, say that, that like what you touched on earlier, the people who raided the Capitol is just because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, in a lot of ways, like they're not wrong. Right. Like, you know, the, the, the system that we've set up to work for us is not really working for us. Right. So sure. yeah, in a sense, they're not wrong. But there may be like attribution errors taking place, right? Like, why is it not working? May not be right. like you know the reason. Um, yeah, you know, or, or or they might not know the reason why it's, or, or or they may be you know like it may be a fallacy in why they think it's not working, you know. But I I think the important thing to touch on there, right, is that um, you know while. Um, you know, it, 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 this really is an issue of like us being like subservient to our own ideologies, right? So in other words, right? Like, you know, I think stuff like the Capitol raid happens because like, you know, now we, we exist to serve like the ideas in our minds as opposed to the ideas in our minds are existing to serve us, right? Oh, like working so, to live or, or living to work. Well, that's, that's interesting. Cause right. I, I want, I wanted to ask you this then um, there's this idea of like, Oh, losing your mind. Right. And a phrase that I think of sometimes is mm-hmm. like, can you ever find your mind if you haven't lost it? Right. <laughs> and and I, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, you had this experience in your early twenties. I had a, one too, that I'd call like a, a quarter life crisis. Very and then I think, one many people have a, a midlife crisis. And, you know, I, I didn't go to a psych ward, but I would say I was very unstable in the sense of everything I thought was true apparently isn't right. And then, then just Mm -hmm. went through this whole list and had a huge personal transformation of like, Oh, turns out basically I had tons of these ideologies that I didn't view as ideologies. Right. I just viewed them Mm -hmm. as fact. And facts, um, right. And so it makes me wonder, I'm, I'm curious what you think, like, would you have had this transformation without that, that catalyst, right? Or do you good, think it's possible? Good, good question. Um, I think it's possible because, I mean, like, I mean, just take a look at you, for instance. I mean, like, you know, I mean, the, uh, I think it's important to note that, like, you know, you were able, like, you know, I mean, you had your own catalyst, but you had a reset on value sort of without like going impatient, for instance, right? I mean, it, it, it was, right. de- I, I don't want to, I don't want to discount like the difficulty of like everything that you've been through as well. But I'm saying, you know, in some regards, I, I think it's possible to lose your mind without like, you know, um, how can I, how can I put this? Without, without... a crisis inducing event or... I, I think well, I get what I, you're saying. Like we can still experience the growth or transformation without having the shit hit the fan. 
roughly basically yeah i mean and and i think for both of us like we had like a crisis event that induced us to like question ourselves right but i think for for others like i I have a good friend that i that i speak to you know he didn't you know frequently he never really had a a a true crisis moment Mm -hmm. that like induced him to start sort of thinking outside of the box it was really just a matter of like you know having lived an entire life and maybe this is like a, a one like protracted crisis moment, but like living mm-hmm. an entire life of never really fitting in, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes. it's like, maybe, uh, I, I maybe, know exactly maybe, what that's like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's like, maybe it's not so much the fact that like he didn't have a crisis moment so much as like his entire life was a crisis moment of like, you know, always being on the outs Ouch. of like, right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to like parse that out, but I want to say like, you know, you don't need like necessarily like a, 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 a shit hitting the fan moment, maybe like, like you and I went through, but you can certainly have like a, uh, like a protracted sort of like, you know, growth into it. I just think that that's like the, probably the, the more rare approach. Mm Mm-hmm. Like we, we always argue like about like whether or not like people are going to learn the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> and he's always like, well, yeah. no, I think people can do it the easy way. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. I don't know. Right. About that. But, um, but yeah, to, to, to sort of jump back to um, sort of like, like those, those sort of crises, you know, I think, and 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 how like ideology plays into that i think like you know if you're looking at ideology as fact right mm-hmm. when really it's impossible to prove but if you're looking at ideology as fact you know you're you're i think i think it it's it's sort of a double edged sword on the one hand you're able to make sense out of the world that you live in and things tend to make more sense to you the individual but I think on the other hand, you know, you end up having to serve your ideology, right? Because in order for that sense to persist, you have to interpret everything through the lens of that ideology. So therefore, and, and sometimes you know, life you really smacks you up... upside the head. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes life smacks you upside the head. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny you say that because... I'm just reflecting for a minute on like, oh, it doesn't have to be a cataclysm. And, and basically um, the, the, the way I like overcame my homophobia basically was mm. um, shout out to Rachel. Um, so my, my friend, Rachel, um, I had an internship in St. Louis when I was 20 mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was born and raised Catholic and, and the way that I was taught, right. And, and, and the way I kind of view the Pope is, is the Pope's the CEO, right. And the Pope's yep. great at marketing, right? Yep. Uh, and so, you know, less than 30 years ago, when I was growing up, it was uh, all the gays are going to hell, right? Or, or yeah. it was like, hey, uh, you can just never have a sexual act for your entire life. Or yeah. that's a moral sin and, and you go to hell. And it was kind of like this unfortunate thing. Like, oh, some people are born handicapped. Like, mm-hmm. oh, sucks, sucks to suck. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Right? Sucks to suck. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's how we were taught in school, right? Right. Maybe not, maybe not quite as callous, but it was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, this this unfortunate scenario, right? Mm-hmm. That that happens for some group of the population. Right. And so, 
and especially going to Catholic school up until college, right? Up until 12th grade was basically mm-hmm. a, there. There's some gay kids at the Catholic school for sure, but they're not usually out. Right. right. Like it's healthy. Like obviously like, yeah. everyone in that Literally. place is getting taught this dogma that you right. are evil. Right. You're not going <laughs> to say, Hey guys, I'm the evil one. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not no, really that's not a good, that's not a good look. So, <laughs> so basically well, who is Rachel and, and what happened? So I had this internship and my cubicle wall, um, my, my cube mate was this girl, Rachel. And she was, um, she was from LA. I was from the East coast and, and we were kind of like the, not outcast per se, but most people in the internship were from St. Louis. Right. And I think besides mm. she and I, we were the two people that like traveled for the internship. And um, at some point I just had this thought like I, I got to know her and I was like wait, wait wait a second here like assuming hell is real right like let's mm-hmm. just assume that right? I'm not I'm not going to debate that part of my ideology but like I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll grant myself that <laughs> assumption assuming that's real like Rachel has to go there because she has a girlfriend and, and, and they like to to kiss and I'm like that seems dumb that <laughs> seems like, dumb <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like and I got to know Rachel and I was like, there's no reason for her to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what she and her girlfriend do. I do not care. I'm pretty sure if there is a God somewhere, he does not give a hoot. Right. Yeah. He does not care what she's yeah. doing, scissoring or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh shit. Like, I can't believe in this anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't this cataclysm, or it, it wasn't this crisis. It, it was. Um, it was like there, there's an old parable that says something about this. Like, uh, mm-hmm. th- this guy goes to uh, live with a missionary, and at mm-hmm. first he's like, "Oh, like don't you fucking do your witchcraft on me? Like I know you're gonna try to convert me." And the missionary was mm-hmm. like. No, it's cool, man. Like, I'll do my prayers in the morning. You can come if you want, right? And then after three months, the guy was like, oh, son of a bitch, he converted me, (laughs) right? Because (laughs) he was just exposed to this other way of being that at some point he found to be superior so much so that whatever his old way was, was like, I I can't do this anymore. And there's, um, I want to say his name is like, Derek Davis. I'm probably fucking up his name. Mm-hmm. He, he was on Joe Rogan. This guy's a, mm-hmm. a fairly famous jazz musician who converts people from the KKK, and he's black. Oh yeah, right? I've I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And like his method is is the exact same, which is basically like just exposing someone, right? Exposing someone to something Correct. they hadn't thought of in a harmless way, right? Like, hey, for mm-hmm. you to change your mind, there's no cost. You know, you're not going to look bad. You don't have to stab someone in the back, right? And so suddenly they're like, oh, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Like, whatever I was doing before kind of obviously seems dumb. Like, okay, not going to do that. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think that's a great point. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't require a crisis. But if you don't have... Correct. Uh, I'll call it a triggering event, right? A triggering event doesn't have to be a crisis. Mm-hmm. We, we maybe have these positive yeah. ones with like someone does an unexpected good deed and you're like, oh, I have more faith in humanity now. Um, 
if you don't mm -hmm. have some event, right, some sort of blip on your radar, like you said, you're just kind of funneling into these ideologies and just living based on that. And I live like that for a long time. And I know a lot of people, both younger and older than me, that yeah. still do. Yeah, no, I, 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 I certainly did myself. And I mean, it was kind of interesting to, to talk a little bit about like, you know, life sort of like pre um, sort of, you know, what we might refer to as mental illness. Right. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. Like there, I, I remember there was like a, a period where like, you know, like, how can I describe it? Like, cause I had always been sort of an outsider my whole life as well. So it, it, it always just informed me to think slightly differently about different things. Of course, I still had my own, like, you know, ideas, beliefs, uh, ideologies, dogmas, but, um, you know, it, it still made me think slightly differently about things. Right. Um, and I think it started, like, I actually had an experience going to Catholic school, kind of similar to how you did. Although for me, it was only grades one through four. Cause once I got to the fourth grade, I was old enough to be like, yeah, this is not for me, bro. <laughs> and, then, right. and I got out of it. So, um, so, you know, I, I had like a lot of experience, like just thinking differently. And then I remember there was a, a period like right around like my junior year in high school where I was like, okay, well, you know, I mean, being an outsider is cool, but like, you know, if I want to like, reap the benefits of what this society has to offer I'm gonna have to fit in right so like I think my experience was sort of interesting in the sense that like I'd say from like ages like 16 to like 20 you know I actively was like like putting myself in a box right and then like by would, age would 20 you call very that, much like, like trying a, to be cool or yeah yeah, I, I certainly would. I mean, it goes a little bit beyond trying to be cool. I mean, it, it's okay. it's like trying to be cool, trying to be, you know, competitive sort of like academically and socially as well as like trying to be like, uh, you know, what we might refer to as like, you know, successful. Like um, playing the game and whatever the game is with some shit that someone else made up that you were like trying to follow. Precisely. Like none of it was explicit. And you're Precisely. like trying your best to be some caricature that's of, of yeah right. yeah of a right. successful person right right exactly and which is what tons like, of people try to do <laughs> like still yeah yeah and yeah. It, actually it's kind of funny like I think we're all really doing that to some degree if we're like sort of plugged into this you know like it's it's not I mean like these these roles that we play are not necessarily who we are. Right. I mean, some people have the luxury yeah. of like fitting neatly into their role, but like, I don't think most people do. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting, you know, like kind of like the guy who's like sitting on the airbag, you know, right before it deploys is like, yeah, let me just stuff this in here. Yeah. Tamp it down, tamp it down, tamp it down. And then the airbag goes off. And the next thing you know, you're like your head's through the ceiling. <laughs> so, oh, <God>. okay. <laughs> so like that was, that's kind of like, you know, a, a funny little analogy for like right. what my experience was like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to sort of jump back into, into like, you know, whether or not, you know, you, you, you have to have like sort of a cataclysmic event, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think, you know, like just, I think, yeah, I think what you were, what you were sort of like touching on earlier that like exposure 
to you know and a non-threatening form of exposure to uh to sort of like something that you hadn't other that you wouldn't otherwise consider i think is another viable method for like you know sort of like reframing your mind on like certain ideas right or ideologies or beliefs yeah so i guess the question after that is basically maybe let's say for most of our lives or in the early stages we get fed right we we get fed these ideologies Mm -hmm. and then at some point something will shake our tree right for some people it's Mm -hmm. earlier than others or the the shaking is more violent for some than others but correct once once you've shaken your tree or your tree's been shook um then you have this awareness of like oh shit like reflecting is a good thing right right how do you then and and i have some ideas myself but how do you maybe induce that i'll call it review or introspection to get a, a better grasp on your own delusions while remaining grounded interesting okay um so i would say that like you know the 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 easiest way to do that is to just sort of be in an emotionally dispassionate place right and and to my mind like sometimes i I almost wish i could turn it off you Mm -hmm. know like i i don't know if you've ever like um like had a conversation with somebody who's like you know, just like really, really into whatever they're talking about, like, and, and in this, and not into it in the sense of enjoying it, but into it in the sense of like, like firmly believing in it and then being like, you know, yeah. And then being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. And I'm like, and it's not even because I don't believe it, you know, or, or don't think that it's, uh, like viable or whatever that's causing me to do that so much as it's like you know I'm, I'm like if I'm not in an emotionally charged state right it's really easy to just it's it's almost like the default mode to always like be one step back saying like okay well you know is this like real <laughs> you yeah. know so like yeah. so to, to to dive into like a more specific example um I just remember you know I mean, it, it conjures up a memory of uh, uh, talking to uh, a relative who's like really deep into sort of like, you know, the, the conspiracy culture and conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and uh, about actually none other than the Capitol riots, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it full circle, right? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, he was mentioning that it was like, you know, you know some plot by you know he 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 had mentioned that like he thought it was like some plot by antifa to like trick the trump supporters into raiding the capital so that they can kick off a police state and then do all this different things and i'm like okay right i'm like you know all right like i mean i i'm not trying to shit on what you're saying right Mm -hmm. but i'm like it seems to me right that you know the simplest answer is probably going to be like the most correct answer in this case right oh like i'm like razor right exactly right (laughs) so i'm like you know so like let's think about it like so like you know antifa right like starting this thing 
somehow and tricking these people like that. All right, so we've already got two steps there. So we've got the step of Antifa. We've got right. the step of like them like tricking the Trump supporters, right? And then we've got like a third step now, which is like whoever's like, con- you know, somebody's controlling Antifa to tell them to do this. And now we've got a fourth step, which is like, you know, like manipulating the media to create the environment uh, like a panic. And then we've got a fifth step now, which is <laughs> which is now like, you know, creating the, 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 the sort of political climate to pass like police state legislation and 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 then, you know, and I'm like, OK, so we've got like five or six steps here. Right. right. So then like now let's go to like the the version of it that you know, um, sort of the, I guess the mainstream media, if you want, if you will, is, is reporting, right. Where like, you know, like Trump riled some people up and in their excitement, (laughs) they decided to march on the Capitol. Right. And then that sort of turned into a riot. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, like, it just seems so much more simple. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That, you have to really buy point. into each one of these steps. And I'm not saying that, like, there's not, like, a greater thing going on. And this isn't, like, right. this doesn't have any, co- like, greater context. But, yeah, it, it's just, there's so there's so fewer working pieces for me to, like, wrap my mind around yeah. and digest. Yeah, it's like... Um if you're making some sort of hyper elaborate plan versus a simple plan, okay, 10 things have to go just so just right versus, Hey, two things can work and we'll, we'll be good. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So it's like a, yeah. If it's like a 10 step plan, that means like the probability of it happening, like starts to shrink right because every step has to be executed on flawlessly for it to work right 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 so if you just think about it like statistically and mathematically it's just less likely yeah 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 i I think that's a so that's a good point oh it's okay my connection was unstable yet again um so I, I want to go a, a little further on that. Mm-hmm. Basically, this um, this idea of of sense making. So, what are some specific things where you just said, "Oh, I used to believe this. Now I'm totally convinced that's wrong," or I suspect after this transformation, um, you begin to think more in like probabilities and spectrums right instead of oh it's always a flipping to now it's always b yeah it's more like hey a lot of these things coexist and this one's my current favorite right right that's interesting that you mentioned probabilities and spectrums because that's sort of where that's i I love that you touched on that because that's like exactly where everything went right like right down right to the direction of like you know like everything is kind of like a potentiality field right Uh there we go sorry dude Um, no worries you you fell off for a second and then my app just quits (laughs) has twice quit itself like where i'm just looking at you and it it's like command q where it kills itself Mm -hmm. yeah oh this is great Hmm. first time 
Good thing that this is the first one. Right? It's like right, exactly. It's on the list of shit to fix. So. so, yeah. So jumping sort of back into what we were talking about, though. Um, yeah. Like yeah, it it it's it like all of a sudden like you you just start realizing that like things exist sort of in in like fields and spectrums of probability as opposed to like um you know like hard absolutes right yeah well like star wars right only the sith deal in absolutes um only the sith deal in absolutes exactly yeah yeah that's a star wars quote um but i like it you know it's something that i that i choose to believe um it's easy to remember you know it's, it's clean simple yeah no i would agree <laughs> um yeah so yeah do you have a concrete one like oh i was yeah. this religion how, how's uh or well interesting because like i was always i was brought up like in the episcopal church mm-hmm. which like they even refer to themselves as like Catholic light. <laughs> <laughs> so as a um, Catholic, I never heard that <laughs> Catholic light, the Episcopalians. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's, that's pretty much what they are. So it's, it's, it's very similar, but like, you know, just a little bit more relaxed. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it was really funny. Like I, I never really, like even as a kid, like really like bought into those things. Like I can give you like a little anecdote. I remember one time I was in, I was actually in Catholic school at the time mm-hmm. and they were talking about uh, the, the priest was, we were doing a religion class and the priest came in to conduct the class and he was talking mm-hmm. about transubstantiation, our favorite topic. Oh yeah. And, and so like, I remember I'm sitting there and he's like, yeah, you know, and when, and when the priest bless it, it literally becomes Jesus at that point, the flesh and blood. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. And then like, and then like, you know, one of the kids is like, oh, is that really real? And then he's like, yes, it is. He's like, as a matter of fact, when I was in Rome, I went to this, this church and they actually had real flesh and blood in the, in the, in the thing. And I was like, I was like, dude, I, I didn't say this, of course. This was this was fourth grade, and this is when I knew it wasn't gonna work out at this <laughs> school. I was like, everybody was like, wow, that's that really happened. He's like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, whose flesh and blood was he in that fucking cup? <laughs> like, who, uh, who, like I hope it wasn't somebody who was unwilling. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. even if it was, like, that's still just just as terrible. And then like and then I was like, oh man, yeah, no, this is not, this is not the spot for me, you know? So, you know, it, it was, it was funny. Like, I don't know why, like it, it didn't take with me, like the way that it takes with like so many, like, but it just, it just, I don't know. It, it was like a weird thing. Like it never took because like, I, I, I guess I was always thinking like, you know, in my mind, like, you know, there's, you know, if I don't know something like, you know, and actually like see it, mm-hmm. and then maybe, you know, like, then there's a possibility that it's not real, right? So sure. I guess that's something that's that's been with me like my entire life. But like, 
you know, I guess it's in overdrive like these days, but, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, 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 it just, yeah. So I was, I was definitely brought up on the Christian side of the house um, to answer your question in a, you know, more succinct way. So I was definitely brought up on the Christian side of the, uh, on, you know, in the Episcopal church. Uh, and I was actually very active in it. Like, you know, I, I, I felt, you know, um, like I did something, it's kind of similar to like being an altar boy, being an acolyte at the Episcopal church. So it's some, it's somewhat similar. Um, you know, you sort of help out with the service, like, um, and I was like, you know, sort of in charge of the rest of the acolytes at my church. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I definitely did all that. So I'm, I'm really well, um, well versed in like, that sort of like you know in in the belief system right and also like i've probably read like having translated the bible from like new testament greek and all that kind of stuff like i've probably read more of the bible than your average christian (laughs) and uh, wait you know when you when you translated the bible was that because of your religion or like most people don't just translate the bible that's that's not like a sunday thing like, so that was actually like, oh, part of translating the bible <laughs> i was like you know wait i learned greek the other day and started translating the bible because i got bored no yeah i gotcha so it's interesting so my major actually at amherst college was uh mm-hmm. classical studies so that means you know you know people who don't know what that means that means latin that means greek that means uh ancient civilizations and histories as well as a little bit of linguistics so, um, you know, I dabbled in all of that. And, and while I was at school, there was a class called New Testament Greek. And I was like, hey, I speak Greek. <laughs> right. I might as well, like, figure out what's going on here. This is something that interests me. So I took that class and we translated the majority of the New Testament uh, from its original Greek into uh, English. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's, there's yet another layer of uh, information that sort of lets you think a little bit differently about your religion. Like when you realize just how much of it is lost in translation. Right. And which, and which like you just... like literally did. Right. I think this is, <laughs> this is right. such a under, undervalued, underappreciated thing. Like, like there, there's so many things kind of like the, the, the capital example of like, mm-hmm. let's say you take the Bible as the word of God. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, start with that assumption right mm-hmm. which is a huge assumption right and i'm cool with assuming that just like let's state that we're assuming it right mm-hmm. well somebody you know or, or some subset of authors right received this you could call it divine intervention right or divine inspiration mm-hmm. like well somebody had to get that from language a to b through to z b. and yeah. more right and multiple versions and iterations so maybe the original word was god's word but then you're getting the word from some dude who her- overheard something that god said at some yeah point. or some random scribe <laughs> yeah you know what i mean <laughs> yeah you know yeah. And, and over that's what he believes many many versions we we talked about this with the king james bible like mm-hmm some guy collected up all the texts, rewrote them how he felt like it. Mm-hmm. And, and then people take that as the word of God. 
right? right? Many people believe that the King James Bible is the word of God, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not on some quest to like call them all stupid, right? I can, I can understand Clearly. why they would believe that. But I, I think there's a danger in holding on to that so strongly. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to say it's Henry Ford. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's Ford, but there's this quote that um, it's not what you don't know that gets you. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. So it's kind of interesting to, to, to jump back a little bit and bring another circle around, right? You had mentioned about uh, the... Uh, the the belief in uh sort of like well i don't want to say the belief in homophobia that that doesn't make a lot of sense sort of like you know like having like homophobic ideas based on like religious scripture right Mm -hmm. and dogma right so i think it's kind of interesting because if you actually like really study that stuff there's actually only one passage in the new testament that deals in or that we believe i should say deals in homosexuality right which is, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it is. I translated it. It, It's it's right out of uh, Paul. It's one of Paul's letters. It might be to the Corinthians, right? And he's he's listing out like, you know, categories of sins, right? Uh Or or different types of sins that you can, that you can sort of like, you know, partake in that are going to send you to, you know, um, off course, right? Uh And, you know, one of the sins, at least if you read like any modern Bible is, is homosexuality, right. That, that Paul lists. Right. Mm-hmm. But that actually comes from a Greek word. Cause Paul, of course, you know, wrote all this stuff in Greek arsenikoites, right. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, what does arsenikoites mean? I, I was about to ask. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing is it's a non-translatable word. It doesn't have an English equivalent, right? But if you split the word in two, right, between its its two syllables, it's arsane, which means man, and koite, which means marriage bed. Mm, okay. So, like, you know, to 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 somebody who's like, you know, trying to figure out, okay, like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so man, marriage bed. You're like, oh, it must mean like homosexuality then right Right, that's 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 got to be what this means right and we're like well you know like actually our best scholars don't know exactly what it means and the funny thing is it's actually listed in the uh the financial crimes as opposed to the sexual or financial sins as opposed to like Hmm. sexual sins Mm -hmm. so it's there with like you know manipulating people and usury and stuff like that and and proper you know so you're like wait a minute like you know does this really even mean like what we think it means and do the, the two component words like turn it into this concept that we have that really didn't even exist until like the 19th century right so you know that's well, a so, good question so if well, you want to use about... the new testament to justify that sort of dogma what what about i mean i'm, I'm not a big mm-hmm. star of the bible but um I guess Old Testament, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Isn't that some of the, as, as far as I understand the teachings of mm-hmm. why this stuff is bad or wrong, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or is, mm-hmm. is that not? 
Yeah, that's part of it, right? Because that's okay. where the word sodomy comes from, right? Like, right, right. You know, like being like doing like, you know, homosexual acts of sodomy because mm-hmm. it comes from Sodom, right? So then if you want to examine that passage, right? Like, and this is something I know pretty well, like, you know, it's about when uh, the angels came down and they came to, uh, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on the name. Um, I don't think it was Lot. It was somebody. The angels came to this guy and they're like, hey, the city's about to fall. You know, you got to get out of here. And then some Sodomites showed up. Some people from Sodom showed up mm-hmm. and they were like, hey, you know, who are those those people you're with? Like, you know, send them to us so that you might know them. Right. Which is the exact passage. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, know them. Right. If you, you now, this is where you actually have to get into like Hebrew, uh, Hebrew translation, which is not my strong well, but, suit. But before, but like, getting, before getting into that, basically, like what I'm seeing just from this conversation is like <laughs> the amount of potential ways to fuck up the interpretation. <laughs> yes. It's just growing. I'm like, I'm like desperately trying to understand the meaning of this. And it's going so the, the level of fuckery is 9,000. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. It's over 9,000, bro. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, no pun intended, but like, and the way that story ends is like, no, they didn't take it with a grain of salt. They turned that woman into a column of salt. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so the interesting thing is he says, you know, I, I, and, and I think if you're actually interpreting it from like, you know, a more informed perspective, it's really more about like defiling the uh, holiness rather than like having gay sex. Right. Cause they just assume that angels are men. So these guys want to have sex with the angels. Oh, so right. Like, oh, they want to have sex so with men, so they must be gay. And it's like, well, are angels even men to begin with, right? That's that's <laughs> like the first question, right? Right. Like, as we right. would understand men, right? Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, you know, were they even intending to have sex with them or what did they want to do with them? They just said know them, right? And then moreover, right. you know, like I think it makes more sense as an interpretation of like, you know, destroying something that is like spiritual or holy you know, or, or, or trying to defile something spiritual or holy as opposed to like, you know, anything to do with like having gay sex. So the, so then we're just right down to Ezekiel, right? Um, you know, where he's like, you know, man shall not lie with mankind for that is an abomination, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even that one becomes shaky because they use the word mankind, because it's like, okay, you know, they're talking about like, you know, ways to set up, you know, a, uh, like a society. And, and one of the things that, you know, you shouldn't do when you're setting up a society is, is have man lie with mankind, right? So it's like, what is, what does that even mean? And it's like, right. okay, well, if you're, if you're, you know, if this one is a direct reference to like, literally like, like, you know, what we would refer to as homosexual sex, right? You know, like, you know, man doesn't want to lay with another man. That's like bad, right? Uh-huh. And then, like, you know, so we've got like one out of like how many like verses in the entire Bible? Like how many countless thousands? And then, moreover, right? 
it's like they go on then then of course you get to like some of the more like you know well understood like counters to that where they're talking about like okay you can't eat shellfish and you can't have clothes that are made from like two different materials and it's like okay well you know all right well well shit all right <laughs> you know we obviously ignore the other two <laughs> you know what i'm saying like why does the onus then become on like you know like yeah. out of all the lines that we ignore like we can't ignore this one yeah you know what I'm saying? yeah that, that, that's a great point and and also i mean just to touch on the i, I guess the shellfish mm-hmm. and the clothing um mm-hmm. well first there's the idea of like oh what is myth right but um, right basically there's some people that think the Bible is all true, right? Then right. there's others that think it's purely fiction. And mm-hmm. then, you know, there, there's many ways to interpret it. But one is like, hey, at, at some point, maybe this was true, or maybe this was a first person account. Mm-hmm. Then we put it in a blender over millennia, right? Right. And, um, you know, just with the clothing, for example, there's, there's a guy I follow, Sadhguru, hope i'm pronouncing his name right mm. like sad guru, yeah, sad guru with yeah. an H. and um yeah. as far as i understand from him for first he's just this obviously super wise dude like there's a reason gurus mm-hmm. and anything like you he has a presence about him right mm-hmm. and um he thinks kids under 14 shouldn't wear synthetic fibers ever period mm. for health reasons fuck religion yeah, yeah, no yeah, offense sure. to religion but just for purely health reasons and there's another guy i followed darren olian he's on um he's on a netflix special with zach efron mm-hmm. uh, and and he has this whole series called fatal conveniences and he was a creator of a shakeology like famous like supplement program food program right and um in his fatal conveniences series one of the things he mentions is clothing because there's tons of synthetic chemicals and fibers that do not Mm -hmm. interact well with our bodies in Mm. our clothes. Right. And many people have just become disconnected from that. Right. And clothes are, clothes are somewhat dispensable now. Right. Mm -hmm. It's so easy and cheap to produce them that they're abundant. Whereas in the past people would put patches and everything, they'd wear something for a long time. And if you find natural fibers they often are much sturdier and last longer Mm -hmm. and in many cases are more expensive because of that like real leather that is natural fiber right um right cotton is a natural fiber uh, on the cheap end but uh wool wool right um so you could see in the bible if they mentioned you know not mixing things like at some point there was probably a very well understood reason for that and then times change and maybe that reason mm-hmm. that rule existing <clears throat> is no longer relevant, right? Like mm-hmm. um, take circumcision, for example, right? Like why, why do we do that? Right. And, and um, as far as I understand, at some point it was utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and there might have been some elements of, of ritual or signaling, Right. Some people say it's, it's like to, to make the act of sex less pleasurable, mm-hmm. but um, it's this practice where many people still do it now. And most mm-hmm. people don't have a clue. Like, yeah, if you just ask, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Frankly, most doctors, I think, couldn't tell you. Right. Because mm. it is a purely optional procedure. 
Right. Right. But it's genital mutilation. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we yeah, have this word kind of for it. It kind of is, if you think <laughs> about it. Not kind of. Like it totally is. Right. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine if we just said, "Okay, there's a new law. You can only do it when you're 40." Right. Or or mm-hmm. what if the new law? This doesn't seem like a crazy law, right? It, it's only crazy because of our current state, but like just mm-hmm. like all this new legislation's coming out over like transgender people and transgender rights and and basically in the zeitgeist we're collectively mm-hmm. asking like what do we do about this right um you know yeah. what are the, the rights that these people have right in this group right well whether you're you're trans or not like if you're born with a penis your parents can circumcise you and you don't get to say anything <laughs> fuck your feelings right <laughs> right and um you know if you turn 18 right and say i didn't want to do that it's like well too late you were you were a child yeah we clipped you we did a little snippy snip yeah exactly does that not seem criminal right like the kid gets no say and this permanently alters them yeah right and you know and in theory permanently right it's what's best for them but you you have this whole populace Mm -hmm. of people who who aren't circumcised and th- this is exactly where i'm like i'm like smiling inside because i'm like this is the kind of weird stuff that i hope to do more of on on this on this podcast mm-hmm. like hey no topics are off limits let's explore a topic genuinely right right Which m- maybe the meta topic here is like hey it's actually oddly similar to the abortion debate it's like at what point do people have a right to their own mm-hmm. body right that's like the the Mm -hmm. interesting part of the abortion debate is like a woman has a right to her body what about the body inside of her body or when does that thing inside Mm -hmm. of her body become its own body right those are really interesting questions correct but when it comes to circumcision we we don't tend to ask the question in the same way no like hey how come there's no law that says parents can't cut their kids wiener right we just let people cut wieners (laughs) And it sounds funny to say out loud, but it's like we do this. Yeah, yeah. it's like a thing we we collectively do, right? And then it's like, oh, mine is this way or yours is that way because my parents said so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Purely happy. No, that's a good point, and that's something. Yeah, that I haven't thought about often, but I, you know, uh, but I mean, and and the funny thing is, there's all kinds of theories about that, like you know, in terms of like creating trauma for males at like an early age, and then that like existing yeah. and that trauma existing like uh, subconsciously, you know, in like throughout the lifespan of that person. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's there's actually the funny thing is there's a lot to that. It's just it's just something that you know, you just you never really think about. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would kind of agree that, like, I mean, I would think it's almost like an unnecessary procedure unless, like, you know, there was some kind of, you know, you know, almost like an appendectomy. You know what I mean? Like later in life, yeah, like I've, I've had one of them. You know, yeah. something happens. You know what yeah. I mean? And you have to have like an appendectomy or a foreskinectomy or whatever. Foreskinectomy. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's funny you say that because I don't know of a single person, right? I'm sure there, there's somebody out there's there. There's got to be done somebody, us, but yeah. I don't know anybody who at some point became an adult 
and was like, mm-hmm. no, I think I'm going to get circumcised. Right? No. I've never heard of this ever. No. R- right? Um, no. I've also never heard of a circumcised person trying to become uncircumcised, which I think is probably not possible or would be very peculiar. I don't think that's possible. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but yeah, probably it's just never really requested. So no one thought to try it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And it's, it's weird to think about that. I I don't even know how we, how we got down that rabbit hole, but (laughs) yeah, we definitely got down that rabbit hole, but uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, But yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things we could touch on here. One place I want to go is uh, this, this question that you pose, which is um, we have these ideologies and these heuristics, and, and these are just ways we try to kind of make sense of the world. So the question on top of that is, do we need dogma? Good question. Um, to my mind's eye, um... And, and yeah, that, that, that it's, again, it's another spectrum, right? Like to some extent, like we do, but like, like, I think for the, the majority of like our lives, like, I don't, I don't really think it's, it's all that necessary. Right. Because like, I think that like where dogma like has a place, right. Is for like, is sort of like in the realm of like the things that you have to like that are like compulsory to educate like with young people right um but at the same time you know i wonder if we really needed it all just because like i mean it seems to me that we do like young people a disservice by compelling them to believe things right you know because we mm, we ultimately like cover for themselves precisely precisely because i think ultimately like we cripple the adult mind by like compelling the mind of that child to you know to believe any 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 given thing or follow any kind of given direction right yeah so yeah kanye west has so a I think, bit about that um, yeah 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 i i agree and i and i think that it's interesting because you know like dogma is like dogma serves a purpose right like it's really good for you know sort of like like creating like a uniformity among minds right so like if you have like you know a dogma about like you know this thing is you know like a a a a strong like supported dogma about like you know this act right like for instance circumcision is a good thing right then it's really good for creating uniformity among minds and and uniformity among minds is is a good place to you know um to basically like build um like trust in relationships right because you know if you're like hey you know, Drew believes the same dogmas that I believe, right? And you're like, well, if he believes in the same dogmas I believe, then I can probably like trust him enough to be around him, mm-hmm. right? Without having to worry about whether or not he's going to like, you know, kill me or rob me or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So basically, rather than like, do we need or not 
need dogma. It's like, well, what does dogma do for us? Right. And it sounds like dogma is a tool for us to establish in-group and out-group dynamics. Exactly. It's like a trust hack. (laughs) A trust hack. Yeah. That's a great point. Like uh, nation states, right. Have laws, Mm -hmm. which you could say a law is a type of dogma. Exactly. You know, or a dogma is just religious law right yeah roughly speaking yeah um so yeah instead of asking like do we need it or not it's like well what does it do what does it facilitate what does it allow and, and then i guess there's this whole idea of uh the enemy of my enemy is my friend or like two mm-hmm. groups who are enemies like oh you you fight with the kid in gym class but then when you play the rival school at the game you and the kid in gym class are best buddies and teammates. yeah our best buds yeah and right teammates. exactly and then maybe there's some sort of like all-star game, you know, after the season mm-hmm. and you and that kid at the rival school are now on the same. Are now teammates. Game. Right. Right. Um, that, that's how it was when I was in little league. Right. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. in practice you fight with your teammates. Then in games you fight against the other teams, but then at the end of the year, the best kids go on the all-star team and they play mm-hmm. against an even bigger foe, which is a group of other kids. There you all go. All stars from their league. Right. And um, the common enemy unites these disjointed groups. So I guess mm-hmm. dogma provides that, that unity. Um, so I guess then the next question is like, is there something different or better than dogma? That, 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 that is like, actually uh, is a great place law, to go. Is, is natural law the ultimate form of dogma? Right. I, I don't know. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's a good place to go because I think that, you know, dogma has been like a really good hack for us as, as a human, as a species for quite some time. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you have to ask like, you know, and, and this is actually going to get into some like really sticky and, you know, territory, like, you know, where, where do we go beyond dogma? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, where do we go? Like, how do we get past like that because it doesn't seem to be serving us as well as it used to right because like uh, uh, there was you know because like you know like how how do we as like you know like a tribe get together you know through our tribal dogma versus a Mm. you know a city state through our you know our regional dogma and then like you know maybe through a nation state and then even beyond the borders of the nation state through like religions that have spread across the world right so where are we going to find like you know commonality and the ability to trust one another you know what i'm saying like now that we've reached sort of like the apex of our you know of our society like to the point where we're kind of almost like a global civilization at this point and i think the answer to that you know and this is going to sound a little off but like i think the answer to that lies in instinct right so, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like dogma is really more of a function of like, like thought forms, right? Like, I believe this, this okay. is so that's a thought form, right? Whereas like an instinct is something a little bit more like, es- like, you know, uh, like arcane or, or a little more esoteric in the sense that like it, um, you know, it's really more like feeling based or or even like you know uh like on a 
on a, on a really subtle level, like even like below the level of like an emotion. Right. Um, so, you know, I think on an instinctive level, like humans are aware, like whether they choose to pay attention to it emotionally or from a thought perspective or a thought emotion perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that we're instinctively aware when we're doing harm and when we're having harm done to us. Right. So I'm saying, you know, or at least my, or my, my thought for like how we get beyond sort of like these hacks that have allowed us to coalesce in these large groups is sort of by going back almost to the drawing board, like to the beginning, uh, like to those like instinctive feelings, like, you know, am I like, and, and, and this is actually something that it, it's going to be difficult because it requires a lot of work. Right. And, and a lot of awareness of like self and like the subtle like changes in like our physiology and, and psychology, mm-hmm. you know, but I think ultimately, you know, the answer is like, you know, being aware of when you're doing harm or when you're having harm done to you and then like acting in accordance with like that understanding and awareness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's a great point and, and maybe a, a good spot to wrap. It reminds me of um, this idea that like, Oh, all the world's problems would be solved if people just raise their kids. Right. <laughs> right. Which is simple and cliche, but also true. Right. It's like, Hey, there wouldn't be any bullies at school if people didn't bully their kids at home. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, correct pretty much without fail, every kid who's a bully on the playground has it 10 times worse at his own home or her own home. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's where that comes out. So I I guess to, uh, to wrap things up first, we'll we'll definitely do another one of these, but um, where, where can people find you if they want to follow along or if you have any shameless plugs for your work, cough, cough, anime, cough, cough, or, uh, you know, if people want more of you, <laughs> where, where should they go? Very good one. Um, so right now, my, my social footprint is a little small. Um, it's going to be growing. Um, so facebook.com uh, slash uh, Tale of the Five Ages is a good place if you want to check out some of my writing and my comic. Um, another good place to check out, um, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, starting some work soon, um, with another colleague of mine, who's actually the editor of my comic book, um, for sort of general discussions about sort of like experiences, like, but through the lens of like being somebody who watches a lot of anime. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think that could be interesting. Um, so that's going to be up, uh, on my, uh, Facebook page sooner or later and then you can also you should be able to read some of my work um as i publish it um and also uh check out sort of any of my crowdfunding endeavors that that might that are going to be coming down the pike pretty soon um all this stuff is in the conceptual phase save the facebook page but if you want to see more about what i'm doing in terms of writing check out the facebook page which is facebook.com slash tale of the five ages and what, what about like Twitter or can people email you or no way? Yeah, there's, uh, we do have a Twitter account tail uh, at tail of tail ages. Um, and then uh, we have, I have a email 
um, that is, oh, this one's going to be kind of a mouthful, but it's just tail.of.the.the.number5.ages at gmail.com. And that's tail, T-A-L-E. Yes, tail, T-A-L-E. Not, not like a dog's tail. Okay. Yeah, not exactly. Sweet, man. Well, big thank you for coming on and let's definitely do another one of these. And I just want to say big thanks uh, specifically for one thing I hope to have a lot more conversations about is demystifying mental health. I think we collectively Mm -hmm. just don't understand it. And part of it is um, Mm -hmm. just chasing my own curiosity in the sense of uh, like, Hey, first, how many people know someone who everyone knows someone who has a mental health condition, right. Or something. But then how many people know a person who has been diagnosed as schizophrenic or diagnosed with the type of diagnosis that you have, and then Mm -hmm. just gets to know them. Right. Right. I have so many ideas of how you should be right. Based on these labels from, from some book (laughs) or media or TV show that I've heard of. And, and pretty much all of them are fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like right. They're, they're just totally wrong. And, and, and so, you know, at a, at a minimum, I hope people can, can listen to this and, and realize that a lot of what they're being fed, you know, may or, or may not be true. So um, yeah, let's, uh, let's do another one of these soon. Sounds great. Thanks. All right, man. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of this wild and crazy experiment that I'm trying out. One last thing for those who are interested. If this is the type of weirdness you're into, head on over to stegdrew.com slash juicy for weekly writings on all sorts of juicy topics. Again, that's stegdrew, just like the name of this podcast, dot com slash juicy for some weekly musings on all the juicy topics that are floating around the world today. I'm looking forward to seeing you.